a good song too. Boy, there's been some good singing tonight. I like that. That's good stuff. I like how that one moves a little bit. Well, Acts chapter 17 tonight, Acts chapter 17. Let's go ahead and um, look at chapter 17. We're going to begin in verse 1. We're going to read through verse uh, 6. Acts chapter 17, verses 1 through 6. I want you to continue to pray for the Dolores, those two in the loss of their dad and uh, that situation there, Tony's dad. Again, I know uh, many of you are aware of that, but uh, just want to remind you, that doesn't just go away overnight, does it? Those kind of things. And I see Brother Tony over there just praying for you, brother. But really, just be um, praying for them and their family through that situation. That's always difficult. All right, Acts chapter 17, beginning in verse 1. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and excuse me, Apollonia, then you know I had this all figured out earlier. I'm telling you, I did. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and, now whatever, and Apollonia, there it is, they came to Thessalonica where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them and three Sabbath days reasoned with him out of the scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. And some of them believed and consorted of Paul and Silas and of the devout Greeks a great multitude and of the chief women not a few. But the Jews which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company, and set all the city on an uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. 
When they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. I want to stop right there. And I'm going to preach a message I preached six months ago. Because it's time to sign back up for prayer. It's time to get praying again. I don't normally preach the same message in six months, but I think it's a message that we need to hear again. We had such a wonderful time six months ago around prayer, and I want to encourage you to realize and remember that without prayer, we are dead in the water. I mean dead in the water. All the other stuff we do is smoke and mirrors without prayer. Sunday school classes mean nothing without prayer. Soul winning means nothing without prayer. Because when we go in our own strength, we can accomplish and do nothing. The Bible says without me, you can do nothing. We need to get that through our head. And I think sometimes in my own life, I forget that. I get to the point sometimes where I get so confident and used to doing certain things that I forget that without him, I can do nothing. I can't be a good dad, I can't be a good husband, I can't be a good preacher, I can't be a good Christian, I can't be a good father, I can't do anything without the Lord. And you say, but I know there's people doing stuff all the time without him. Yeah, but not me. If I do it without him, I can do nothing. I'm just going to believe the word of God. And you know what I believe as a church? Until we get praying like we need to pray, we're not going to see what we need to see. I believe the reason we saw what we saw in the spring was because we got together and said, it's time to pray. I really believe that. Now, if you don't believe that, that's up to you. You have an opinion, you're allowed to have one. But I believe personally that prayer is the key to success in any ministry. I believe it's the key to success in any marriage. I think it's the key to success in any life, if you will, Christian life. You say, I'm a Christian, but I don't pray. You ain't much of a Christian, and neither am I if I don't pray. Right. And this idea that somehow we can go ahead through life without prayer, when the Bible says that they were to pray for a comforter to come and then dwell them and live in them, then they're to be praying consistently. Who is Jesus? He's the mediator between God and men. Man, I mean, the, he's, he's the mediator. If we don't have Christ in our life, and then we're not shipping off our request to God before heaven, there is no way on earth we're going to see the results we intend to, to see. And so I look at this passage and I get excited when I think about these that have turned the world upside down or come hither also. How in the world did they turn the world upside down? How did they make that happen in such a short time? Just two decades later, they'd already turned the world upside down. You say, well, what's that supposed to mean? Well, look at Colossians chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. We'll figure out what that means here. Because I believe they literally fulfilled the Great Commission in their lifetime. I believe the entire world heard the gospel early on in church history. The problem is that there is a generation that hasn't heard. And can I tell you, in our generation, the world has not been turned upside down? Can I tell you there's still people that don't, do not know how to be saved, let alone aren't saved? I mean, there's deeds abounding in our world like never before, and we've got to get the gospel to a lost and dying world. And the fact is, is that without prayer, it'll never happen. Look what happened here. They got the gospel to the entire world. I believe, watch what it says, Colossians 1, 5, and 6. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven... Whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come unto you as it is in all the world. As it is in all the world. 
and bringing forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day ye heard of it and knew the grace of God and truth. Notice, which has come unto you as it is in all the world. I believe the gospel was reaching the world and there was fruit in that gospel being preached. We see in Romans 16, verses 25 and 26. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. Made known to all nations. I believe it was made known to all nations, just like it says. I believe that what the Bible says is true. Therefore, when they say they turn the world upside down, they literally reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everyone didn't get saved, obviously, but people heard and knew the truth. The question is, in America today, has everyone heard the truth? Of course not. In the world, we can certainly say they haven't heard the truth. But in that generation, they had heard the truth and men and women made a decision to accept or reject the Lord Jesus Christ and we have seen the evidence of that bear out in their offspring throughout history and now there are literally nations that continue to just reject Christ and reject Christ and reject Christ, rejecting Christ because somebody early on in the gospel rejected Christ. Let me tell you something. The decision you make and how you live your life for Jesus will determine how your children ultimately will live and maybe your grandchildren and right on through. I'm telling you, this is nothing to mess around with. And in the early church, they were sincere and they were serious about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And may I tell you that the world did not hear the gospel and the, the Great Commission was not fulfilled simply because they put their work boots on and went out and told everybody they got to praying and got God in on it. That's how it went down. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Look at what it says in verses 10 and 11 to start with. It says, Finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Notice whose power it is. His might. The power of his might. See, if you're strong in your might, I'm strong in my might, it isn't mighty. It's his might. That's the key to everything here. When you go to work tomorrow, will you go in your might or his might? When you, when you talk to your wife or husband and you've got to deal with an issue, will you deal with it in his might? Or your might. And I know, I know that we get used to doing things and we say, well, yeah, but there's just, this is, you just, some things just you do. I know, but as a believer, shouldn't we be depending on Him for everything? I, I'm just being more and more conscious of the fact that there are so many things I do without God. I don't know about you, but it's just been, for me at least lately, it's been like, man. I can, I can do that. And then I think, what? How, what? I can't do that. Not without him, but I do. And then I go, wow, no wonder. Well, there's, he says right here, finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Man, I'll tell you what, the devil's at work, isn't he? 
Can I ask you the last time he's tempted you? Was it in the last hour? Was it in the last two hours? Maybe the last 10 minutes? I'm just saying, come on, man. He is at work and he is active in our lives. Boy, we need that, we need that armor and we need it now. He tells us here in the passage, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He's got some real tricks up his sleeve. But I'll tell you, if you're going to keep standing, you better put on some armor. And we know when we read through the armor, and we're not going to take the time to do it, but we see Christ there. You better put Christ on. For me to live is Christ, the Apostle Paul said. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. He understood that it was not his life, it was Christ's life he was living. Boy, we, 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 we have to be conscious of this. Notice what it goes on to say now. Here in Ephesians chapter 6, go down to verse 13. He says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand an evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Often we stop and we say, guess what? There's only one weapon. The rest is defensive, but there's one weapon, and that weapon is what? The Word of God. It's a sharp two-edged sword. According to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, we understand that. And man, let me say that is so true, isn't it? How important is it that we carry this book, this Word, not only in our hand, but in our hearts? Because when the devil comes a call, and can I tell you, he may hit you from the outside, but he's working on the inside. We better have the Word hidden in our heart. And so he says here in the passage, he makes it pretty clear, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. But notice he doesn't stop there. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Now again, in this particular passage, we've just come off of chapter 6 here, this, the, 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 the wonderful message of this armor that must be worn in order to deal with and ward off and protect ourselves from Satan and his fiery darts. We know there's a sword, and it's called the Word of God, that we must hide in our hearts and hold in our hands. We understand that. But there is something else here that he moves on to, and he says right there in verse 18, he, and notice it's even split up the word of, it says, which is the word of God, and then there's a colon there. So this next thought is connected to that thought, and we find them being combined and put together. So it's not complete without the second thought. The second thought is something that often in a believer's life, we neglect, if we're honest. Man, we read our Bible, and we may memorize some scriptures, We'll get that year through the Bible reading course, and that's good, and it's wonderful, and it's so important that we try to read our Bible and stay consistent in it. But can I tell you that it doesn't, it's not complete without this next element, prayer. 
Praying always, he says, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for who? For who? All saints. When's the last time you prayed for others other than yourself? You know, it's easy to pray for money and finances and health for your family, but to spend time praying for, and I'm not, okay, let's just, okay, not your extended family either. Oh, oh, wait, let's even go further. Not your friends, but the saints. The saints. Hey, Brother Bob's mom's in a nursing home right now having rehab. I prayed for Brother Bob. You get where I'm going with this? Brother Bob's not my blood brother, but he's my, he's my spiritual brother. He's one of the saints. I'm just saying, in this room, there's a number of saints. Do we pray for them? And he says, listen, th- there's an attack taking place, not just in your life, but in the lives of every last one of these saints, and we better be praying for them. Wait a second. He goes on a step further. Notice what else he says here in the passage. And I, I love this especially as being a preacher, and for me, he says. And I like the Apostle Paul now. He's getting a little selfish again with some prayer. He's like, now listen, you better get that armor on and and you better make sure you're holding that word in your hand and in your heart, but you got to be praying for the saints. And for me, he says. Why? Why, Paul? Is it all about you? No, it's not all about me. However... He goes on to say here in the passage and explain to us why that utterance may be given unto me that God will put his words in my mouth and give me the message that he has for me to make known the mystery of the gospel so that I can explain the truth to people so I can give it on a silver platter so I can make it clear and and they can be easily under it can be easily understood For which, he says, I am an ambassador in bonds. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? You get the impression that the Apostle Paul's implying that he can't do anything but that because he is bound. He is a slave to the Word of God and to the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, he's saying, listen, this book, this book that we hold in our hand and we hide in our hearts, this book is something that I'm a slave to, the Word of God and the message of God. I can't get away from it. I've got to preach it. Pray for me that I have utterance, that I can truly preach it in a way that impacts the culture we live in, the society we're in, the people and their misunderstanding of truth. Help me. Please pray. Pray, 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 he says. Why? Why, Paul? Because he understands without prayer, he won't have utterance. He understands without prayer, he won't have power. He understands without prayer, the saints will fall by the wayside. Prayer is key. You've got to wear the armor, yes, and you've got to carry the Word of God in your hand and hide it in your heart, but we've got to be praying. If we hope to be victorious, we better be praying. If we hope to effectively communicate the gospel, we have to pray. If we hope to stand and speak boldly, we have to pray. That's what he's implying here. That's what he's telling us here. 
what the church needs today, according to Ian Bounds, is not more machinery or better, but, new, not, but uh, not new organizations or more novel methods, but men whom the Holy Ghost can use, men of prayer, men mighty in prayer. I wonder, young people, what's your ambition in life? What's your ambition? Can you imagine if some of your ambitions was to say, I want to be like a praying hide? More than anything else, I want to be a prayer warrior. I, I want to get to the end of my life and, and them call me camel knees. Because I have so, because uh, it, not just my hands are callous from working hard, but my knees are callous from being on them so often for Jesus. I mean, honestly, what, what is our desire? What is our longing as believers today? Man, I can't wait to get that latte mocha or mocha latte or whatever it is. You get what I'm saying? I mean, I, I, I can't wait. Well, what about I can't wait to pray? Again, I know it's not, it's, it, listen, there's nothing glamorous about prayer. Nothing glamorous. Go down in my little study down there and I throw four, listen, because the knees get worse as you get older, and I throw four uh, uh, towels down on the floor, double stacked on each side. Because if I don't, I won't get back up. Nobody sees me down there. Nobody hears me down there. Nobody knows I'm there. Sometimes I don't even turn the lights on. It's not glamorous. Nobody's going, wow, you're such a great Christian while you're down there. Because nobody knows you're down there. It's your closet. You say, well, then you just lost your reward because you're telling everybody, I didn't tell you how long I spent down there. I'm not trying to blow myself up. I'm telling you I've got a place just like you should have if you don't. Every one of us should have a place we go in our house where we do that secret thing. It's that secret place that makes the difference. It's the secret place that provides the power we need to do and accomplish what God's called us to do and to truly have the peace of God and the joy of the Lord in our life. In the mess we find ourselves in America today, let me tell you, if you don't have a good prayer life, you ain't, you ain't happy. You are miserable. You're fearful. You're afraid. You don't know what's around the corner. You're concerned about this and that. I wish I had my phone right now because there's this, this governor of Minnesota who said something so great the other day, and I was sharing it with somebody. I wish I could share it. It was about the COVID, and he talked about people who believe in heaven, and he said they're just they're not afraid because they know where they're going. People like that just aren't afraid. And he wasn't saying it derogatorily. He was saying it like, hey, Oh, Mississippi it was, I think. He's saying, we're good to go. We're all right in Mississippi. We got people who believe in God and they believe in heaven. They're not afraid of all this mess. That's basically what he said. You look it up. It's good. Because I'm going to tell you something. Fear abounds in our world and it always has. This is just the latest in a whole round of fear that the devil's constantly and continually throwing at us. And if it ain't this, it'll be something else down the road. Why? Because that's how the devil operates. He wants you to have the spirit of fear because he wants to paralyze you and keep you from doing anything good for God. And he wants you to be miserable so you can't show the love of God and you can't show the joy of the Lord and you can't put a smile on your face. He wants to wreck and ruin you. But I'll tell you one place that he cannot mess with you if you are in the right place. Watch this. And listen, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. If you're in the right place, he can't mess with you. And you know what that is? Watch now, I didn't say prayer. The throne room of God. 
most of the time we don't get in the throne. Let's be honest. We get on our knees. We get on our knees and we start going right off the bat. Lord Jesus, I just asked you to bless us. I know there's a lot of people in my family sick right now. And I just pray you'd help. Lord, God bless. I know you can do it. You're the great physician. Praise God. And listen, I'm going to work today. May you help me. I'm hoping to get that, uh, that promotion. Please, Lord, help me get that promotion. Lord, you know I've been there a long time. Okay, so maybe I don't deserve it. I don't know. I'm trying to be humble right now, but I do believe I do deserve it. And so, Lord, I just pray right now that you'd give me that. Please help me do that. And Lord, be with my wife. She has a, a problem right now. She's not feeling good. And Lord, I just pray you'd help her. Be with my kids and be with my family and be with my this and be with my that. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And we get up and we go our way. And that's about how most of our prayer lives are. And then we wonder why the devil's just nailing us the whole time. Man, I can't concentrate when I pray. Man, I can't even think when I'm praying. And let me tell you, I don't care how much you try. He's going to get on that side. He's going to try to mess you up. But you know what? If you get in the throne room, there's a difference. There's a difference. And you ought to be striving just like I ought to be striving to get in the throne room. Hey, brother, you shouldn't be content with just saying your prayers. You shouldn't be content to your saying them to him in his presence. And that's true with all of us. And it's, it's, it's not easy to get there in the world we live in. It's, it's busy, isn't it? Let's face it. We got all these gadgets that tell us we've got more time than ever, that, helping us to, to be effective and efficient. But it seems like we're more busy than ever. We, don't have, we have less time on our hands than ever. Man, we're ramming and running and we're going and up and down and left and right and over and under and... When will it end? It doesn't end because that's the devil's tricks and traps. It's his wiles. He tries to keep us so busy doing things that mean nothing in eternity. What's he say about bodily exercise? Bodily exercise profiteth what? Can I ask you something? When you watch the television today, do you think that the world thinks that bodily exercise profiteth little? It's all they talk about. It's all that matters to people. Why? Because we want to live forever in these old bodies. But as a believer, this shouldn't be everything. I mean, if we approached, and, and this is sad though, if, if we approached our spiritual The way we do our health, in most cases, not, not all, I guess, because not everybody's a health nut. But if we took care of our spirits the way we try to take care of our bodies, especially when they get sick, how different would our lives be? How different would our ministries be? How different would our outlook and our attitude be? How much more joy would we experience and how much happier would we be? And I say happier, I'm talking about joy, so I guess you don't necessarily have to be happy to have joy because you can have some tragedy just like we heard about today. And I, I, I feel so bad for that family who lost that son. Can't even imagine what they're going through. I hope I never can. I hope you never have to. Maybe you have and you know what they're feeling. You're the one that probably should write the note because you understand what they're going through if you've been through that. See, that, that's, that's horrible. It's tragic. Can I tell you, happiness isn't something that's easy to find in the midst of that, but there can still be an inner joy. 
My understanding is the young man knew the Lord at least. Praise God for that. But he was fighting with depression. Depression won out. Let me tell you something. Before you jump on the bandwagon and start talking about how that's, that didn't happen to me, you be real careful. You be real careful you start talking like that. It's happened to better men and women than any of us in here. Be careful. We just need to show them our, our love and our concern and our sympathies and maybe even empathies if you've been through that kind of thing. He says, I'd rather be able to pray than be a great preacher. Jesus Christ never taught his disciples how to preach, but only how to pray, D.L. Moody said. Isn't that something? Curtis Hudson said, there's more uh, that you can do after you pray, but there's nothing you can do until you pray. Now, we, 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 you know, those are, those are cliches, right? Those are biblical. They're based out of the Bible. And, and again, I'm, I'm not here trying to scold you. And I am preaching to Mark O'Donnell more than anybody. Let me tell you something. The prayer life is the least For the most part, it is the least neglected life of all, the prayer life. I mean, it's the most neglected life of all, excuse me, in the believer's life. Prayer, man, it's so important. Hudson Taylor, he said, the prayer power has never been tried to its fullest capacity, full capacity. If we want to see mighty wonders of divine power and grace wrought in the place of weakness, failure, and disappointment, let us answer God's standing challenge. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and shew thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Isn't that good? I can tell everybody's fired up about this prayer. That's good, and they're like, I got at least got a couple amens out there. Praise God for that. You know what I believe? I believe most of us are pitiful in our prayer lives compared to what we should be. Let me say it that way. That way I don't offend anybody too much. I believe we are pitiful in our prayer lives compared to what we ought to be. Right here, okay? Compared to what we ought to be. Is that, does that, is that paint a picture in your, your mindset? Or do you honestly believe you're praying like you should pray all the time? Like God's called you to pray. And I hope so. I hope there is. And if that is you, please come see me and let me know that because I want to get some tips from you. And I mean that in all sincerity. I want to hear about how heaven has opened up over and over and over and over again to you. I want to hear those stories. Don't you want that in your life? I want that in my life. But let me tell you, it doesn't happen by wanting it. It happens by doing it. We have got to take the time to pray. You've had seasons of prayer in your life when you've experienced wonderful things from Almighty God. You've done that, and so have I. I mean, when you've taken the time to say, I'm going to focus on prayer, I've got to have God, I can't do it without Him, and you've spent, this one cometh not, but by what? Prayer and fasting, maybe? And you did that, and you were like, whoo, man. But then the cares of this world kind of take over, don't they? And we fall back into some old habits. 
And we lose sight of that and we think, it's not real practical to pray like this all the time. I mean, I've got a family to take care of. I've got responsibilities. It gets busy and there's so much to do. And we almost rationalize not being in his presence. And we justify it even. Now again, I I don't know. And, And if you're not there, good for you. But I know in my own life I could use some help in this area. I look at these men of God and I look at the early church and I think, how in the world did they accomplish so much for God? How did they get so much done? And here we are. I mean, we got a whole city. We've got the internet. We can reach the world at our fingertips. I was looking through some just old numbers in our church, and I was watching the numbers, 50, 75, 120, 200, 275, 300 souls saved a year in our church. Hey, where are those days at? What's happened? Well, it's tougher now. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But he's no less weaker. No, less strong, I mean. I mean, what are we doing? I mean, is it because maybe we have not let him do it for us? Maybe we are trying in our own strength. We've done it before. Look in the past. Look at how we God blessed and blah, blah, blah. Well, we better stop counting on us. We better start depending on him. I don't know about you, but I think it might be a pretty good thing to see 200 or 300 people come to Christ in a year. That might be pretty nice for a change. Seems the last few years we ain't been seeing that kind of thing. Got the old COVID running around, everybody telling us how hard it is and that people have turned away from God even in the last year and a half and nobody wants the gospel. It's funny, when we go out and knock doors, people get saved. Isn't that funny? In the spring, man, we were coming every week, people getting saved every single time we go out. And all the way through into the summer. Every time we go out, somebody's getting saved. But it just seems that lately it's been getting tougher. Maybe it's because nobody's going out like they were as a whole. Maybe because we're not putting forth the effort. Maybe because we're not praying like we were. And I think it combined, you've got to have the Word of God in your hand and in your heart. But boy, you better be praying and so must I. And we got to pray. We need God in this. What breeds excitement in a church? We say new blood. That's babies. Christians. Baby Christians. How's that happen? Prayer. Prayer. It's just, I guess it's true confession night for the preacher. Preacher's got to pray more. He's got to pray more. They say it all starts at the top, right? So it's all starting with me. The question is, will you join me? Will we work together and strive together in prayer? Not just on a Friday night to Saturday this week, which we need to do, but when we call prayer meetings together when we get together with our classes, 
when we think about our services, when we're in our private place, that secret place, it's just so easy to fall back into the norm, isn't it? Just kind of get back in a rut. And I know in my own life, it's something I have to war with. Abraham Lincoln, he said, I've been driven many times to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and that of all about me and that all about me seemed insufficient for the day. When, when is the last time that we, as this President Lincoln said, were convicted that we had nowhere else to go but to him? My wife and I were teasing just this afternoon, and I was telling her, we we're talking about, you know, uh, we have health care, of course, and um, we're in the... We're in Obamacare, uh, the marketplace, okay? Good times. And so we got, you got all this, um, you, you, you've got these, um, like, uh, what's that? You got, see, you can tell I use it all the time. What is it? Uh, you, you, like $6,700 is my what? I guess a deductible, yeah. So you have to pay the 6700 before you can, you know, get them to pay anything type thing, and, um, and so the church has graciously provided us money to cover uh, up to that point, but then there's two of us, so that means we could have 13, four, uh, 12, 13, four out of pocket, right? So we were joking, we are saying, man, hopefully we don't have to use any of that money this year, and then next year we don't have to use any of that money. And then we can amass that money so that if we both get sick in one year, then we won't have to have any out-of-pocket as long as they don't raise our deductible. And my wife said, yeah, and then we won't even have to trust the Lord. Did you hear that? And I went, shut up, woman! No, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I was like, I kind of laughed and I said, yeah, you're right. Isn't that pitiful? Now, wait a second. When is the last time that, like President Lincoln, we had to say we've been driven to our knees by the overwhelming conviction that we had nowhere else to go? I, that's, that's convicting to me alone. I, I read, life is fragile, handle with prayer. <laughs> That's pretty good, isn't it? Nothing lies outside the reach of prayer except that which lies outside the will of God. Isn't that good? You've got to be praying in the will of the Lord. And let me tell you, it's not as hard to pray in the will of the Lord as we may think. He's pretty open to things. He wants us to be blessed, and he wants us to bless others. Men may spurn our appeals, reject our message, oppose our arguments, despise our persons, but they are helpless against our prayers. Sidlow Baxter. Isn't that something? Man, I don't know. Prayer. How important is prayer in our life? It's amazing, isn't it? Never even got to the message. Isn't that good? Didn't even have to get to it, so you don't have to hear it a second time. That's That's wonderful. And since it's early, we'll quit, and then you might even be happy. 
<laughs> Preacher actually got us out on time. Isn't that a miracle? Somebody was praying out there, weren't you? All right, good for you. God does answer them. But man, isn't it a wonderful thing to watch God answer prayer in our lives? I wonder. What, 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 what could be solved or what could be fixed, uh, addressed in our lives, our marriages, our families, our churches, our country, our world, if we as believers come together and pray? And just pray on our own even. Man, I think, the, I think the sky's the limit. I mean, I don't know about you, but the Great Commission seems a little bit out of reach. But it's not out of reach with prayer because God is the one who will do it. He just uses us as instruments. He's the one doing it. We're just tools in his hand. May God bless you as you decide to pray. I, I believe we have people that pray in our church. I don't think this happens by chance. However, the question I asked earlier I think is important. You know, do we believe that we can improve, basically, in our prayer life? Can we improve? Because if we can, maybe we should, right? Is there joy in your life, purpose, contentment, peace? It's found in his presence. The world and the devil are always throwing things at us to try to get us to live in fear. But the Lord says, I'm not giving you that spirit. You didn't get that from me. You get with me. You get in my presence, and you'll be amazed how the world melts away and how the load comes off and how free you will feel when you're with me. Let's not just pray, but let's get in the presence of the Lord in our prayers. Let's get in the throne room. Let's spend a moment and say, Holy Spirit of God, lead me in. Put me in place. Jesus, you're my mediator. Now don't let anything fall on deaf ears. I'm praying to the Father in heaven. And I'm going to get into his throne room and I'm going to sit in his lap and I'm going to whisper in his ear and he's going to hear me and as he promises, he will answer. 